Welcome to the Journey Women podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. You might regularly listen to this podcast, but have you ever considered what it means to be a journey woman? Well, today we're kicking off a brand new series in which we are seeking to answer the question, what is a journey woman? By definition, a journey woman is a worker skilled in a trade or craft who earns her qualifications through training and experience, kind of like an apprentice. If you're a Christ follower, you could say that you're a journey woman for Jesus, a worker learning the trade of her master through biblical instruction, discipleship, and by navigating the challenges that he sets before her to cause her to look more like himself. There's a lot to unpack here, so we've decided to spend an entire series trekking through some of our foundational Journey Women episodes to examine a few aspects of what it means to be a Journey Woman for Jesus. With each facet that we discuss, we hope that you'll be struck by the joy of knowing and loving your master more as we seek to reflect him as his Journey Women. In our first episode, we are going back to a conversation that I shared with Nancy Wolgamuth on living in light of redemption because a journey woman is redeemed. To understand what this means, we have to have a robust understanding of the gospel itself. The gospel is the good news that God loved us enough to send his son Jesus to reconcile man with God. All of mankind, that means you and me, are born sinners, rejecting God and trusting in created things rather than the Creator. But by God's grace, we can be saved, not by any works of our own, but by faith, because of the reality of Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Christ came to earth, lived a perfect life, died for our sins on the cross, and was raised from the dead. By believing in the saving work of Christ, we can have a restored relationship with God. It is by trusting in this good news and this good God that we as journeywomen are redeemed. So here we go. Let's learn from Nancy demoss about God's great story of redemption, our stories of redemption, and about what it means as journeywomen to live as His redeemed. But before we go there, you know I need to tell you about the sponsors who helped make this episode possible. Dwell, Exploring the Earliest Gospel, and Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Do you long to study the Bible more deeply and be better equipped to teach God's Word? Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary offers a variety of flexible degree options that empower you to do just that. Southeastern believes that God has commanded each of us to go and make disciples by teaching His Word and sharing the truth about Jesus Christ. Through its diverse selection of certificate programs, master's degrees, and advanced degrees, Southeastern equips women to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. Southeastern would be privileged to play a part in your growth in God's Word and your training to fulfill the Great Commission in all of life. To find out more, explore degree options, or schedule a visit, check out sebts.edu. Now, let's dive in with Nancy demoss Wolgamuth, who has touched the lives of millions of women through Revive Our Hearts and the True Woman Movement as we discuss the question, what does it mean for a journey woman to be redeemed?
Is there some way that you could describe what redemption is that might help us kind of get a better grasp of what it actually means to be redeemed? Well, sure. And I feel like I'm just on the fringes of my own understanding, but it's got to be one of the most precious words in our Christian vocabulary. And I think, uh, Hunter, that we often think of redemption as, if we use it at all, we think of it as something that happened to us X number of years ago when we got saved. Totally. That God saved us. And that's really true. But I think a lot of times we don't realize that redemption is a part of our lives from eternity past to eternity future. That it's a never ending process until we see Jesus. And that it's something we need afresh every day of our lives. That He not only redeemed us, but He is redeeming us. And the whole concept, Hunter, implies that there's something we need to be redeemed from. And it starts with being needy, with being desperate, with being in trouble. The, the word has to do with an action that God takes on our behalf to, to rescue us, to save us from sin, from evil, from error, from ourselves. It's buying us back, paying whatever is needed. God pays what's needed to get us rescued from whatever has taken us captive that he wants to set us free from. Mm. And so at the point of our salvation, you know, eternity past, he designed this plan. He put it into play, into action after he created humans to love him, to walk with him, to know him, this beautiful universe and created in his image, enjoy him forever. And then Adam and Eve, what did they do? They rebelled Mm -hmm. against God's rule. And so God set in motion a plan that, get this, he had designed in eternity past, knowing they would sin, knowing we would sin, a plan to redeem them from their lostness, Mm. to redeem them from their captivity to that serpent, to the evil one. And so planning to send Jesus to save us from our sin, from ourselves. And all through the Old Testament, you have this theme, this stream, this tide of redemption moving toward it. And of course, in the animal sacrifices, this was a picture that prefigured how Christ would come and give himself as a sacrifice to redeem mankind from their lostness. But then Jesus comes to earth. He dies in our place for our sin to rescue us from our sinfulness, from our brokenness, from our lostness, from our poverty, from everything that has gone wrong, but with the goal of making everything right in the end. Mm. And so that's the journey we're on, Mm -hmm. and that's the journey he's on with us, and we have his promise that the journey will, the process will be completed. He's not going to stop halfway there. It's going to be finished. And that's, of course, the great Christian hope that we have. Oh, you just described like I had a crisis, a crisis today. (laughs) And, And, you know, I'm walking myself through that. And I'm like thinking of like the forefathers of our faith. And I'm thinking about Moses and the Israelites. And I'm thinking about David and, you know, all the things that we know about the key figures in our faith that have, you know, walked through just the realities of sin and a broken world. We know, like you said, what we have to look forward to. And we know what we've been redeemed from in the past, but it's like we're living in that already, but not yet. And we're still struggling with the realities of sin and the impact of the fall on our lives. So as Christ followers, where do we fit into this story, this Mm -hmm. grand story of redemption that you just so beautifully described? And how does the gospel actually redeem our stories, not just at that point of salvation, like you mentioned, but as we continue in our life until the day that we get to be with him face to face? 
You know, I, I love that we are part of a story that it's a continuum. Like we tend to think about our lives as today's crisis, you know, yep. um, and today's crisis is very real, yours or mine. And it's not only our own brokenness and lostness, but it's the brokenness and lostness of others that impacts yes. our lives, even when we're just going, you know, minding our own business, trying to walk totally. with God and then jolt, you know, here comes this, <laughs> uh, somebody else's sin. And it's both, it goes both ways. Yeah. If we could just step back and see this continuum as God sees it, that it's not just about me in this moment or this day. It's not even just about my lifetime, Mm. but my life fits into a huge, broad tapestry of history and past, present, and future that is this whole story God's writing. And that's why I love studying these Old Mm -hmm. and New Testament biblical characters that illustrate for us the process of redemption. I'm thinking, for example, about Ruth in the Old Mm. Testament. If you want to study the subject of redemption from a biblical standpoint, at least in the Old Testament, read anything you can about the book of Ruth, mm. because it's an amazing redemption story. In the Old Testament, God made provision that when a Jewish follower of God mm-hmm. would have a crisis, it might be a financial crisis, um, the loss of a mate, which would leave a woman mm-hmm. destitute with no future, no hope, God made provision that a near relative mm-hmm and rescue that person. They'd have to pay a price to do it, but they could rescue that person from their poverty, from their lostness. So here is Ruth and Naomi, a mother and daughter-in-law, and they're in a far country. You know, They come back to Bethlehem where Ruth is going to be a foreigner. She's a widow. She's got so many strikes against her, mm. and she's poverty-stricken. Their, their plight in life is hopeless. They have no way of surviving, much less thriving. But God has made provision in His providence He has provided a redeemer, a near kinsman. His name is Boaz. Mm -hmm. And he's a wealthy, distant relative who has the right to redeem them from their poverty. They don't even know it, but God knows it. Mm. And he's leading their steps. And he comes into Ruth's life and Naomi's life. And this kinsman has to be able to redeem. He has to be related. He has to have the wealth needed Mm -hmm. with all to redeem them. And he has to be willing to redeem them. And there is actually a, a closer kinsman who has the wealth and the right mm-hmm. to redeem, but he doesn't want to. He <laughs> has trouble. I don't want to inherit Ruth and her debts and her <laughs> mother-in-law. So here's Boaz. He has the right to redeem. He has the wealth to redeem. He's able to redeem. And he wants to redeem. He considers it a privilege to redeem his destitute relatives. Mm-hmm. And so God brings him into these women's lives and he rescues their lives from destruction. He marries Boaz. He becomes the man who will give children a seed so her husband's family line will continue. He takes all her debts, her mother-in-law, all of this. He takes it as his own and says, I'm going to like underwrite your losses. Her whole life becomes one of abundance and provision and safety and good. It's like a total turnaround. Well, you look at Ruth's story. I just gave her like a really quick overview there. But you realize that the same God that redeemed her from her losses, uh, this Boaz and Ruth relationship became, it's through their line that Mm -hmm. Christ came to earth. We read Mm. about this in Matthew chapter 1. He's descended from their line. God, she never could have had a child Mm. if God had not sent a redeemer into her life. And out of that union came Christ. Well, here are we thousands of years later. What do we have to do with Ruth? What do we have to do with all these other old time characters, you Mm -hmm. know? 
it has everything to do because God is writing this one great, big, long story. Ruth's life fits into it. Mary and Joseph's life fits into it. Esther's life fits into it. Paul's life fits into it in the New Testament, a a persecutor of the people of God, one who could have spent his whole life in shame and guilt. But God redeemed these people so that they might not only personally be redeemed, but so that they might make the Redeemer known to others, and they made it known to others, and they made it known to others. And Mm -hmm. here we say, with our crises, our situations that feel hopeless Mm -hmm. and desperate and needy, and God is redeeming our lives, not just from ultimate, you know, hell, but also from our separation from God and our brokenness. He's a redeeming God who is making all things new, not just so we can enjoy that, which is huge enough, a reward and a joy, mm-hmm. but also so we can become instruments of redemption mm-hmm. in the great storyline that he is writing from one generation to the next. So I sometimes wonder if the Lord tarries for 500 years, 1,000 years, mm. or 10 years, whatever, whose story will he be writing that I have no way of knowing today, that my little crisis today Mm. might in some way that I cannot imagine, Mm. might seed that bears fruit and points somebody else generations down the road or tomorrow or next year Mm -hmm. or 100 years from now, points them to Christ the Redeemer. So it gives a context for the story we're living today as God is redeeming us. It's not just about us and our Mm -hmm. story. It's about a great, big, huge story of redemption that God is writing through all of the ages, and we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of that. To be a journey woman is to nestle yourself in God's big story. We look to Scripture and consider God's faithfulness to His people, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and more throughout all of redemptive history. And we can also look back and consider God's faithfulness to us personally throughout our own lives. But one thing that I've experienced more and more since recording this episode is the joy of considering His faithfulness to my brothers and sisters in my very own local church. In the gray fabric chairs of our church, I look to my right and see my sister who is singing with her face lifted even though her husband recently lost his job. I look to my left and see children who have various physical disabilities helping one another stand up to sing. The everyday faithfulness of my brothers and sisters in my local church encourages me to keep on the narrow way that leads to life. In the intro every week I say, Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. As journey women, we know that in every season and challenge that we face, those church friends will point us to our good and faithful God. As you'll hear me describe in the following question to Nancy, I just want to skip to the end of the story and as they say, get to the good part. Well, listen in and you'll hear Nancy's really wise response. What a grace it is. And yet, 
so often, Nancy. Like, I'm totally that person that I'm like, I, I want it to be perfect. The new creation needs to be looking new and not real drabby like I'm looking and feeling right now, you know? <laughs> somebody, I saw on uh, Instagram yesterday a quote by Elizabeth Elliot okay. that somebody else had posted, obviously. And the, the quote was this, would you like to have the story of Daniel without the lion's den? We wouldn't <laughs> because we know the end of the story. Yeah. And then Elizabeth Elliot yes. said, well, Christians, we've got this whole book full of wonderful stories like that. And yes. the end, every single one of them is the same. It's glory every time. Oh, and the thing is, there's so like many lions in, in our story yeah. that we wish weren't there. Like, yes. Lord, could you just give me the glory without yes. the glory, right? Yes, exactly. no crown without a cross. Oh. There's no glory without the pain. There is no gain without the pain. And so we say, Lord, we'd like, you know, a story that has just cloudless days, sunshine, plenty of money in the bank, just, but nobody likes to read stories like that. Nobody yes. likes to watch yeah. movies like that. We say boring. My husband and I watched a movie over the week uh, last weekend that was like, you're sitting on the edge of your seat. How mm. is this going to get resolved? And that's what makes it a fabulous story yes. is that it's conflict and resolution. And in our case, not only does it make the story more interesting that there are crises and problems and pain and hiccups and bumps, but it also, this is the mystery of Providence that I just have come to love. And that is that God works not only around and in spite of the bumps and the hard places, mm. pain, but God actually uses the pain and the problems and the failures, mine or others. God actually works through those things mm -hmm. to accomplish his purposes in me. So they are sanctifying. They are purposeful. And we'd like to just be holy and happy and happily ever after in heaven without all of this. And you know, God could have done that. Yes. He could have, like get them, yeah. say, baptized and shoot them, put them out of their misery. <laughs> so, why doesn't he? Some days we wonder. But he knows that it's in this process of tripping and falling mm. and, up and weeping in the mm. closet. Um, <laughs> it's through all of this that the beauty comes. The ashes are turned to beauty. And I'll tell you what else. It not only sanctifies us, but it makes us a safe place and a compassionate place for other hurting people right. to come and find grace. Yeah. I got a call last night from a woman who is in the middle of some family crises. It's just a mess. Mm -hmm. And she and her husband are really seeking the Lord. It has to do with young adult kids. And, and it's so painful. She texted me afterwards. She said, I am so heartbroken. Mm. Well, I've not been exactly where she is. I don't have biological children. But I have been in some hard, hurting places that I would love to have skipped over. Right. But out of all of that has come an ability to... You know, when I was nine years old, I could have told her theologically what she needed to know. But she needed to hear all of that. She knows that stuff. What she needed was somebody who could weep with her, Ugh. who cares, who is tenderhearted. I'm not like, I've never been like accused of being too merciful. I, I, it's not really a forte for me. Right, same. But it's becoming more, mm. I'm becoming tenderhearted, more compassionate, more able to listen to enter into the pain of those who hurt without having to just throw out all my six points of answers. So I'm able to become more of an instrument of hope and grace and redemption in the lives of other suffering people. Mm -hmm. 
as a result of mm. some of the really hard places that God has, mm. you know, asked me to walk through. So right. back on it, somebody said, God's will is exactly what we would choose if we knew what God knows. Mm-hmm. And, we mm-hmm. back and we say, oh, Lord, why did I doubt you? Why did I mm-hmm. question you? Mm-hmm. That you were redeeming me and this situation and my life and others' lives. We'll know in full someday, mm-hmm. but he knows all now. And in the meantime, it's sometimes just raw, naked mm-hmm. faith that God knows what he's doing and that he is writing a, a redeeming story and that in the end, it will be happily ever after for yes. all of us who are the followers of Christ and that God's glory will have been, you know, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Can you imagine that today where the world is so fractured and broken and evil and corrupt mm-hmm. and starting with one heart? Can you imagine God, just everything just being the glory of God everywhere? Well, no. only a redeeming God could do that. And yes. he is doing it. And we get to be part of that story. And I think so much of it is learning to apply the reality of what God has done, like that it is finished to like our everyday struggles. Now more than ever, kids need to know and explore their Bibles. In fact, research shows that Bible reading is the number one indicator for spiritual growth. In the new kids Bible study, Exploring the Earliest Gospel, Rebecca McLaughlin and her young theologian daughters, Miranda, who's age 12, and Eliza, who's 10, guide your kids through the entire book of Mark. Through 66 days of fun and fast-paced study, your kids will get to understand more of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. If you're looking for a theologically rich, accessible Bible study to help your kids know and fall in love with Jesus and to pave the way to a lifelong love of God and the Bible, Give them Exploring the Earliest Gospel. Find it at moodypublishers.com or at the link in our show notes. So how does the reality that we're redeemed offer us hope in these struggles like you're describing this woman with, you know, adult children and the grief that she's feeling there? Or honestly, like my struggles right now with my pride and then also my lack of sleep because I have a four month old and then I've got, you know, a two year old and a four year old. And, you know, you're so tired. You don't even know how old that kid is. (laughs) Exactly. Four weeks or four months. It's all the same. (laughs) You know, um, Hunter, I've often said, I've said it maybe a thousand times over the years to the women I minister to, anything that makes me need God is a blessing. And it's part of the redemptive story. All of this, looking at God's redemptive story in the scripture and in the ages, eternity past, present, eternity future, it gives me perspective when I am buried in the quicksand of my own immediate story. And it can't, and you just, we touched on a lot of things, you know, I have some friends who I was with the other day and they were, they've got five young kids and they're godly parents and they're, they love the Lord, but they were just talking about how exhausting things are right now. Yeah. And after they kind of talked, they weren't complaining. They were just asking for prayer. And one of the older people in the room who's got five grown kids said, you're in the easiest season of your oh. life. And I was like, that's supposed to be an encouragement. You uh. know, your kids are going to grow up and then they're going to be young adult issues. And then they're, adult, you know, right. it's never ending because God doesn't ever want us to be in the place where we think we can do this without him. But here's the thing. When you look at the redemptive story that God is writing, 
the creation, fall, redemption, mm-hmm. consummation, the end of all things. It gives us perspective for what we're experiencing right now. It gives us context. It says that my struggles, my problems, my failures, my sin, my temptations, my difficulties, the sins of others that I'm having to live in the wake of that, mm-hmm. it, that none of it is purposeless. None of it is random. None of it is chance. It's all purposeful. It's ordained for me, for my life, by a God who is good, who is wise, who is loving, and who knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And a God who's on his throne. My husband and I look at each other, I don't know how often, and we say, heaven rules. Mm. Heaven rules. And that's actually a phrase in in the book of Daniel. And Nebuchadnezzar had to learn it the hard way through his pride. You know, he thought he ruled. Right. And he thought he could handle all this. Ooh-y. He thought he, he was great. But God said, you think you rule? Let me just show you. I'll make you like a crazy man. Um, and the last <laughs> that is, is how I feel. I, I think I, the Lord is, yes, this is speaking to me right now, Nancy. You know, we do. <laughs> we think, I'm, I'm losing it. Yes. And if it's not when you have little children, then it's when you go through menopause. Or you got college age <laughs> kids. Or you got, now I'm in my 60s and I'm thinking, things hurt that I didn't even know existed, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm a young, older woman, or the burdens of ministry, or the pressure of deadlines and demands, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I'm going to lose it. Well, every time I feel that, it becomes a prompt to Mm -hmm. race to the cross, Mm -hmm. to race to Christ, to anchor my heart in truth. We must learn to counsel our hearts according to what is true. And so no matter what our emotions are telling us, I remember as a younger woman when I would get exhausted and I was just like, my, I couldn't control my tongue. I couldn't control yeah. my emotions. I remember a friend telling Oof. me, this was an older, wiser friend saying, Nancy, don't let tiredness become an excuse for yeah. carnality. Ooh. And I'm out. So like, okay. That's not really what I wanted to hear. But what he was saying was, there is grace for this moment. Yes. That my problems, my pressures become opportunities to cast myself helplessly, hopelessly on Christ and to counsel my heart, not according to what my emotions are telling me, mm-hmm. according to what truth says in God's word. Mm. And to reflect my focus from myself to Christ mm-hmm. and to others. And if I didn't have problems, I would be you know, hopelessly self-centered. Right. I'm naturally self-centered anyway, but it's the pressures and the problems that force me to Christ. Mm. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. What makes you run into a strong tower? When It's when you're in danger. It's when you think mm. you are losing mind. It's when people <laughs> are stepping on your last living nerve, as my aunt of mine used to say. <laughs> And it's toddlers, you know. That's why we need a redeemer who yeah. not saved us from the penalty of sin, past tense, but is presently saving us from the power of sin. That's what we call sanctification. Mm-hmm. And he promises that in the future we will be saved from the very presence of all sin and brokenness. So if I can look ahead to that, keep my eyes on the finish line. Mm-hmm know that the best is yet to come. You say, okay, mm. what does that mean practically? Well, it means in my, like, run into the, <laughs> I think of these moms with little kids, and, like, the bathroom is the one place you think you can go and right? be, get a, a sanity. But then these little fingers come <laughs> under the door, and they go, mommy, and you want to say, 
that's not my name anymore. You know, go call somebody else because you feel like you can't get a minute to yourself. God knows that. You think he has grace for toddler years. Mm. You think, and I, and I think of women who say, you know, like I'm only going to have two children because I can only manage two children. Right. Listen, if you let into your life what you think you can manage, you will never experience the fullness of God's redeeming grace. I'm oh, I needed that today. Two things that like, okay, I'm going to go like make my life miserable. God knows what you need right. to get you what you think you can manage. I'll tell you this. I was single till I was 57. Mm-hmm. I love your story. It's the best. Tell it if you want to. I loved being single. I, I loved ministry. I felt right. a call to singleness. And God just gave me amazing grace. Singleness was not my burden. I had other burdens, other challenges, other things that made me need God, but singleness wasn't one of them. Well, then God brings this man into my life I'm 57. He's been married for almost 45 years and then widowed. I knew him and his wife. It's a long story. It's a sweet story. But I, Hunter, I needed grace to even consider such a huge life change at that season right, of my life. Right. I totally yeah. get it. Like you're in your patterns. You have like your special ways of doing all the dishes and and the coffee and all that. Mystery and I didn't even drink coffee. And here's like, I'm wearing a coffee drinker. And that's like the littlest of things. And he's a precious man. But I'll mm. tell you what, marriage in a really sweet way has been a new season of life to make me realize. And with marriage, I inherited uh, two uh, stepdaughters mm-hmm. who are not that much younger than I am, five at the time teenage grandkids. And so my life changed. It's like God sent wow. earth moving equipment to my life. That's amazing. And, that's a lot of change. It's, it's a lot of change, but here's the sweet thing. No matter what season of life we're in, mm-hmm. God creates things in our story that make us conscious that we need Him. We need to be redeemed. There were ways I was selfish. I had no idea. There were ways I was bent on, that I was proud, that I didn't know because I'd lived by myself for all those years. And I mean, I'd had, I had a lot of families around me. I did a lot of things to try and not be selfish. But in a sweet new way, God uh-huh. has brought a new means of grace and redemption and sanctification into my life. And so if we can welcome these circumstances, whether they're the ones we choose or the ones that come unchosen into our lives, health issues, Robert and I are looking at each other now in our 60s, I'm in my 60s, he's in his 70s, and we're saying, we've got a lot of peers who are having major health issues. Right. What's that going to look like? We don't know. But here's the thing, we don't, we don't have to stress about it. We don't have to obsess about it because we know that God is redeeming and making all things new. You know, this body is, it's breaking down. Right. The scripture promises, Romans 8, Philippians 3, that we will have a new glorified body like unto his own. What a hope is this? Yes. So we realize that all this stuff here, it's temporary, but it's meaningful. It's purposeful. It's intentional on God's part. And I can trust him in the midst of that to write the story when I am clueless as to what he's doing or why he's doing it. I don't have to know, mm-hmm. but I know I can trust him and run to him and say, Lord, I need you. I need you to redeem yes. this situation. I need you to redeem this person in my life. I need you to redeem me from this temptation that why do I keep going back to yeah. food as a savior yes. or people as a savior or trouble? For, why do I keep running to idols Lord, I need you to save me from myself, from my sin, from my problems. But I'm not just asking to have a problem-free life. I'm asking you to use my problems to redeem me mm-hmm. and make me 
like Jesus. God uses our circumstances to make it clear that we need Him. This is Journey Women Training 101. To take the analogy a step further, the master allows the apprentice to undergo challenges that will cause her to look to him in dependence. Then, he lovingly corrects and instructs her through his word, helping her to think and act more like him. So it begs the question, what difficult things in your life might God be using to draw you nearer to himself? Think about that. What hard things are you facing today that are helping you lean a little harder into the Lord? What circumstances might the Lord be using to conform you to the image of Christ? Instead of grumbling or trying to muscle your way through the challenges that you're facing, look to the Lord, ask for His help, and keep resting in His future grace. None of this is wasted, and this is not the end. That is what it means to live in light of redemption. I had this question that I wanted to ask you, like, how does redemption impact our daily lives and what practices will help us remember our need for redemption? And and I'm thinking it's the struggles. Like as you're talking about it, I'm like, it's it's the struggles. Like they're a grace. They help us remember our need for Jesus and they help us remember what he's done for us. Right. Like, do you have anything to add to that? In the midst of it all. I've said this, but I'll just repeat it because I think it's so important. We have to keep reminding ourselves of what we know to be true. Yeah. About God, yes. about this story, about our future. Keep counseling our hearts according to truth and keep reminding ourselves this suffering, this hardship is not random. It is not chance. It mm-hmm. is not meaningless. It is hopeful. It is mm-hmm. hope-filled. The best is yet to come. This will not last forever. I think that's one of the things the enemy uses to get us really defeated, especially I watch you moms in this kid's life, season of life. I don't think there's any more exhausting season mm. in a woman's life. And, I feel that. <laughs> uh, I, and it's true. But I think for you, to, in the midst of that, it's easy to feel like I will never feel rested again. I know. I feel that way. <laughs> and the fact is, this is not forever. Yeah. It's yeah. a season. And God is using the season and the sacrifices of it to redeem you mm. and to make you cast yes. yourself upon yes. the mercy and the strength of Christ. God says, when you are weak, then mm. I am strong. Mm-hmm. So how would you know that he is strong if you never felt weak? Mm. If, mm-hmm. you, if, if you never felt exhausted, when would you need the Isaiah 40 promises about you will run and not be weary, walk and not faint, the God who infuses us with strength? How would we ever know that if we did not feel hopelessly weak? Mm. Mm-hmm. So our weakness becomes a means to tap into his grace. And what is God's grace? It's the supernatural power of God within me that gives me the desire and the power to obey God. Hmm. How can I obey him when I'm so exhausted or when I'm so tempted or when I'm so beleaguered by this crazy person in my life, you know, this critic, this hard relative or whatever? Mm-hmm. Uh, how can I be kind and grace-filled and loving and humble and gentle and all the things I want to be, but I'm not naturally? God brings these people, these circumstances mm-hmm. to my life so that I will realize how much I need him, mm-hmm. that I can't be holy. I can't be humble. I can't be, you know, satisfied with Christ in Christ alone. How would I 
ever come to find that Christ alone is really enough, if I was never at a place where I didn't have anything or anyone to lean on other than Jesus. And I'm telling Mm. you, you know, the situations we've talked about are pretty common and they're, but to some people who may be listening to this conversation, our situations, like a lot of little ones or getting older or married, those seem like pretty tame problems. Totally. Compared to a friend I've been walking for the last couple of years through a horrific past that includes years of sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. molestation, assault, and things that I have not experienced, but I've walked into this journey with this friend Mm -hmm. and others. And I believe with all my heart that God is a redeeming God who is making all things new. And that means he rescues us from not only our bondage and our captivity to shame, to guilt, to sin, whether it's our sin or the sin of others, but there's a journey, there's a Mm -hmm. process through which he redeems the losses that have been caused by our sins or the sins of others. Mm-hmm. I may have been the perpetrator or I may have been the offender. And the fact is, we're both, we're all both perpetrators and offenders in various mm-hmm. ways. The worst possible scenarios, the woman who's had multiple abortions, the woman who's had multiple sexual assaults against her. I don't like, I feel like by even mentioning these things in a way, it could feel like we're brushing past them mm-hmm. and minimizing them. Mm-hmm. I'm saying we have a God who has felt every pain every wound, but he has taken upon himself in Christ on the cross, all the woundedness, all the brokenness, all the lostness, and comes to bring health and healing and Mm. grace and hope for every sufferer. And yes, it's a journey. No, it doesn't happen overnight. That's why he has us still here. But yes, it will happen. So we look ahead to the end of the journey, and we could just get glimpses of this in Scripture, but we cling to that and we say, Lord, by faith I believe that the day will come when I will be whole, my emotions will be whole, my body will be whole, my relationships will be whole, there will be no more sin, no more darkness, no more sorrow, no more mm. sadness, and we cling to that. That's why some of the best old-time hymns, mm. the best newer hymns, they have multiple stanzas that walk us through our past salvation, our present sanctification that's taking place as we're in this hard journey, but our future hope of glorification when the journey is said and done. And like, we don't want to lose sight of what God has mm-hmm. done, what he is doing, or what he has promised will be future mm-hmm. hope. It's like, keep looking at heaven. Keep looking at that. Mm-hmm. You know, keep finding ourselves what we're experiencing this moment. It's temporary. Paul calls them in 2 Corinthians 4, momentary light mm-hmm. afflictions. Now you're saying, this doesn't seem very momentary. This doesn't seem very light. And in the moment, it doesn't seem that way. But if we could step back and get the redemptive story context, we realize that in the context of the big story, these sufferings are momentary. They are light. And here's the thing. Paul says they're working for us and in us a far more exceeding, eternal, weight of glory Mm. want the weight of glory the eternal weight of glory yes lord that's what i want then god says then trust me while i write a story that includes some momentary light 
affliction. I know it doesn't seem momentary. Mm-hmm. I know it doesn't seem light, but it is. And in the end, you will look back and you will say, oh, God, thank you. Mm-hmm. Because what you've given me is beyond anything I could have imagined when I was walking through those hard places. As believers, we are instructed to keep God's Word on the forefront of our minds. Dwell Bible helps us to do just that. Dwell is an audio Bible app that makes it easy to bring God's Word into your daily habits and rhythms. We love listening to Dwell as we take care of things around the house, drive, or while we're going on walks around the neighborhood. And you can now add a beautifully designed Dwell widget to your home screen so that you can jump straight into Dwell daily. With customizable background and display options, this widget makes it easier than ever to open up the Bible and listen with Dwell. As we incorporate God's Word into our daily tasks, we are reminded that Scripture is applicable and active in all seasons at all times. To get started with Dwell, visit dwellapp.io slash journeywomen and get 10% off a yearly subscription or 30% off Dwell for life. That's dwellapp.io slash journeywomen to commit to Scripture for the rest of this year or for life. What's the importance of sharing what God's doing in our lives just as we live in light of redemption and sharing that with other people? Yeah, it's huge. We become um, not only experiencing our own redemption story as we connect ours to the redemption story of Scripture and of the ages, but then we can become amazingly, even while we're still in our own journey, messy as it is, we become instruments of redemption in others' lives. Mm -hmm. And I think as we share our brokenness, our frailties, our woundedness, our struggles, it lets people know, and I think this is especially true for those of us who are involved in different kinds of ministry, discipling others, teaching, small groups, various kinds of ministry. You know, people can start to put us on a pedestal and think, Mm -hmm. wow, she doesn't struggle in significant Mm -hmm. ways. She's got this down. And I think if you could come live with me, you know, Mm -hmm. you can get in my mind, in my heart, in my head, and you can see the days I just feel like so weary in the battle. I feel like throwing in the towel and I just have to like Mm. grab myself, you know, by the, Mm -hmm. the, listen, soul, Psalm 42 Mm. and 43, you talk to your soul and you tell your soul the truth and you say, hope in God Mm. for my, I will yet praise him, my hope and my salvation, you know, Mm. tell people something about our journey and let them know that what we're saying is believable. I got a text this morning from someone who's in the middle of a crisis. And I was, as it happened, Robert and I were sitting next to each other and studying. We were doing our own study, but we were next to each other. And I I stopped and read in this text and we stopped and joined hands and just prayed aloud for that person and encouraged. We can become, I think, means of encouragement and hope and help. And I was able to send a text back just to encourage that friend to cling to God, to trust him. I wasn't given a lecture. It was all short, but just to trust him with the story that Mm -hmm. is being in their life, because I know what it is to feel desperate Mm -hmm. and to find God racing to my rescue. You know, God's grace is like an ambulance. You don't call 911 if you don't need help. But when you call 911, the ambulance comes racing to the scene of need. And when we cry out for ourselves or on behalf of others, it's like God's in heaven with this grace ambulance saying, oh, 
I hear that prayer. Somebody's down there in need. Mm. And he comes facing to our need. Or that this person lives hundreds of miles away from where Robert and I were sitting on our deck praying this morning. Mm. And in that scene, I believe God came racing to the need Mm -hmm. of that person as we cried out. So uh, we share our story. We share our prayers. We intercede on behalf of others. And I'm going to be in a crisis, you know, a minute or two or a day or two from now. And somebody else is going to be praying and encouraging me, cling to God, hope in God, for he is redeeming your situation. He is your redeemer. He is your Boaz. He is the one who is come to save you from all of this brokenness and he's doing it so we give each other hope we give each other encouragement we let each other know we're in this journey together no one should have to have their own story being written and feel that they are alone in that story nobody around them may be experiencing the exact same thing in the Mm -hmm. moment and I think it's not helpful to say to people, oh, I know just how you feel, because we really don't know just how they feel. But what we do know is what it is to feel desperate, mm. to feel broken, Man. to feel neat, and to say, Christ is a redeemer. We help each other to, to be grateful in the hard places. We help each other to, to sing in the places where we think we'll never sing again, you know? Um, we need each other. I need you. I needed your story before we even started recording today. You're telling me about crying in the closet. And you have a very <laughs> different life season than I am. But when you share with me out of your journey, it gives me hope in my journey. And I think we've done that for each other in this conversation. And we do it. And you know what? It's not just the people who are close to us. Robert and I find us ourselves doing this with total strangers. Just mm. asking to make you alert to who needs redemption. Yes. yes. Um, and we call it our aisle ministry at church, A-I-S-L-E. It's before mm-hmm. and after. Mm-hmm. It's in the in the aisle of the supermarket. It's with the, the FedEx delivery person. It's just with total strangers that we stop and we say, tell us your mm-hmm. name. Is there anything we could pray about for you? I've never had anybody turn me down for this. And then we're able to just encourage them. You know what? God has been writing a story in our lives. He is. We tell him a little bit about our story. And then we say, we want to pray for you because we believe that God is writing a story in your life. Mm. And we believe it's a good one. And, and you know, depending whether they know Jesus or they don't, the conversation gets steered. Um, but we just become, it, it's like Christ has hands and feet here on this earth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Encourage people, give people hope as we not only come alongside and say, it's one thing to sympathize, to maybe to empathize, and to say, I'm so sorry, I feel for you. That's a sweet thing, but a lost person can do that. Mm-hmm. But what mm-hmm. he can do that a lost person can't do is to walk with people to Jesus, mm-hmm. to the cross, to grace, is to pray over them, to speak words life-giving words, words that breathe hope, words that point people to truth, but with compassion and with grace. This is something that only God's people can do for Mm. each other. I absolutely love that evangelism tool of just like asking people about their story, sharing what God's done in your story, and then pointing them to the greater story. Nancy, you have had such a great impact on so many of the listeners. And it's amazing. Even women that I've discipled, like in real life, they have just gushed about your uh, ministry and how that's had such a great impact on their personal journey with Jesus. And I just love to hear from you. Who is it that's had the greatest impact on your own journey with Jesus? Oh, wow. Well, I'm old enough now that it's hard to say one person. And you know what? God has used different people 
at different seasons. Definitely mm. my dad who went home to be with the Lord on the weekend of my 21st birthday. He had a heart attack. Oh my goodness. And was gone. And we had just been together. I was already oh my living away from home for a number of years. But so huge, huge foundational impact in my life. Both my parents, uh, my mom is still living. But my dad, just those early years, he was a first generation believer. He didn't come to know Jesus till he was in his mid-20s out of a really wild, um, rebellious life. But when he came to know Jesus, he just like went all in. And so he, our family, which he didn't start till several years later, uh, I'm the oldest of seven children. And, and my parents just, and I say this for the encouragement of young moms, young parents, they developed in our home an atmosphere that was just saturated in the word mm. and the ways of God and in the redemption story, the character of God. So I grew up trusting that God is good, that he's wise, that he doesn't make mistakes. And even on that September 1st, when I got the word that my dad had just had a heart attack and was gone, uh, of course, there were tears, huge sense of loss, Mm -hmm. uh, sad, sad things. I, I still miss him 40 years later this year. But I will say the first conscious thought I had when I got that news, when I got that call from my mom, was a verse I had read in Psalm 119 just days earlier. God is good, and everything he does is good. Mm. And to have a dad and a mom together who just to help you put down, they can't do it for you. They can't, you, they can't get saved for you. They can't, you know, mm-hmm. um, but they can create a climate that is conducive mm-hmm. to trusting God to write your story. And I look at today, 40 years after losing him, and I just think how thankful I am that when I was a young woman, that God put my parents and other people like them, other older people um, who'd walked through hard things. I watched my dad go through a loss of some major losses, mm-hmm. huge things. And I watched him go through with trust, not like unfeeling, but mm-hmm. just clinging to Christ. And I would had no idea what things I would go through later in life. Uh, starting with losing him, but in the hard places of life, I've just had those illustrations of people who have demonstrated theology 101, that God is good, God is wise, God Mm. is living, and you can trust him to write your story. So I want to be that kind of person now who younger people, you know, maybe 40 years after I'm gone, they'll say somewhere along the line, Nancy DeMoss Wagamuth illustrated in the hard places of life that God is good, God is wise, God is loving, and that I can trust Him to write my mm. story. So this is a baton we're passing from one generation to the next, and I've had the joy of having people do that for me, and I hope that's what I'm doing for others today. You are, friend. I am so encouraged, and I will treasure this conversation in the closet always. Thank you so oh, much for joining you, us. Our hope and prayer is that this episode encourages you to walk with people to the cross, to Jesus. That is what being a journey woman is all about. Throughout this series, we're going to talk more about what it means to walk with Jesus. I cannot even wait. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss it. You've been listening to Journey Women, a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. If you'd like to support the work that we're doing, you can do so by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give or visit the link in our show notes. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. We can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.